Welcome, neighbors, to another episode of the Praise and Worship Podcast, where two deconstructed best friends deconstruct praise and worship music, as well as other forms of Christian and secular media. As former praise and worship musicians, we will do our best to bring unique, lighthearted, and hopefully insightful conversations to your ears every week. My name is Luke, and I am joined by my best friend, CJ. We are coming at you from Louisiana and Florida. CJ, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, you guys? So before we get into the music, uh, we will do what we do every week and check in with each other in our segment, How's Your Walk? So CJ, how's your walk? Uh, my walk's been been pretty good. Uh, very busy. Yeah. Things are kind of crazy. Um, for those of you who have been listening to the podcast, I don't know that I've given an update on the house situation in a couple episodes, but we are moving we sold the house we are buying an, another house and that's going to be happening the closing for on both houses is this coming friday so four days away from the day of recording so our house is all packed up and pretty much everything except our mattresses on the floor and a tv and so we're we're kind of in the home stretch so if my recording sounds a little bit different this week that's why i'm just kind of standing in an empty bedroom and hopefully it sounds good. So other than that, not really much of anything has been going on. How about you, man? Well, uh, just a, a heads up to the listeners. My cat, Freddie, is in a uh, one of his crying fits. He goes through a couple of days, it seems, where he just wants to annoy everybody. So he's just gnawing on my fingertips to keep him quiet. Um, so, so if you are, have your bingo card... It's you can only fill that space in once, but if you're taking shots, we'll be we'll take it easy on you this week and you only have to take what, like five shots, maybe? We'll do we'll do that where you can kind of cut a yourself. Shot each time. Oh yeah, yeah. Just do a smaller a little baby <laughs> shot. That way you can you can uh, respect the game. So But yeah, uh man, yesterday I made some buttermilk biscuits and sausage gravy that would wipe you out. It was so good. <laughs> Oh man, it was so good. But yeah, so mostly, mostly I'm I'm good, man. Um, I haven't really been that productive like I like I was several weeks ago and beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I've just been tired. I'm just kind of just in one of those seasons where I'm not doing much. But I think it's probably because it's just so dang hot. It's really so hot, be, man. I don't want to be working outside on my woodworking stuff right now. And the room where I do pottery is really hot too. It doesn't get much airflow. I don't know. I just just been kind of hanging out with Brittany a lot more, which is good. Uh, I know she appreciates yeah. that, but I'm starting to feel a little antsy. Um, I'm thinking I'm going to be uh, getting into some more production stuff soon. But I did figure something out. I discovered something that kind of puts a smile on my face uh, every time I think about it. So I think I may have discovered the most fun sentence to say in the English language. Oh. So, so to set it up, could you... Um, could you ask me what I'm doing right now? Hey, Luke, what are you doing right now? Chopping up a couple of cups of pecans. <laughs> Hold up. Chopping up a couple it. of cups of pecans. Chopping up a couple of cups of pecans? Yeah. Is that right? It sounds like you're beatboxing, but it's just Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's just Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, that is actually really fun to say. That couldn't... Well, never mind. I'm not going to mention it on the, <laughs> on the podcast. I was going to say uh, it, it doesn't have anything to do with the tongue twisters we were doing on the uh, no. birthday episode. <laughs> no, I uh, I was making um, so, some salads for dinner last week. And I, the, I in my head, I just said chopping up some lettuce. And I was like, oh, there's like some fun things. But there's got to be something more fun than lettuce to add to that. Uh, and then I, was, I think it was chopping up a couple of cups of lettuce and then the pecans came to me and it's just like, man, that just flows. You can't help but <laughs> sound like a rapper or uh, Shakespeare whenever you're saying it. Yeah, that's, you, kinda, it, that's pretty fun. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, if you're ever having a, a rough time of it, just go ahead and say that to yourself and it'll it'll put a smile on your face. Make everything chopping better. Chopping up a couple of cups of pecans. <laughs> Well, that's how our walk is going. Our first music segment of the day is our praise and worship 
or Christian song segment. This week was Luke's turn to bring a praise and worship or a Christian song. So what'd you bring for us this week, Luke? Oh boy. Uh, so this is an older band. They've been around a while. Hmm. And the lyrics are praise and worship heavy, but the music is just heavy. So we hmm. are going to listen to The Way by Striper. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what? what? Uh, what? We'll get into it. We'll get into it after we li- okay. yeah, we'll listen to this. <laughs> All right. So we're going to listen to The Way by Striper. You guys are going to hear either a 30-second clip of the song if you're a Spotify free user, or you'll hear the whole song if you're a premium user. Also, I'll put a link to a YouTube video in the show notes so you can go that route if you'd like to do that as well. So we're going to listen to this song, and we'll meet you guys back here in just a sec. Welcome back, neighbors. We just listened to The Way by Striper. <laughs> CJ, <laughs> what, what do you think? Have you heard the song before? <laughs> I just I'm guessing got, you weren't, ex- I'm guessing you weren't got, expecting. I got more and more tickled as soon as we press record to start the right after we listen to the song. Um I'd, I'd probably heard this song. I've, I've listened to some of Striper's stuff in the past. I don't, this song wasn't immediately recognizable, but <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what to say, man. I feel like we keep one upping each other on the songs that we bring. And so I have a lot of work to do for next week, but, <laughs> um, I mean, you're not going to top this one. So, so unless you pick another striper song. So my early early Christian uh experience, you know, when I first became a Christian in 6th grade, those early years I'm I'm assuming I probably was listening to Striper or a band similar to Striper. I was probably listening to some of the more modern heavy rock music, uh Christian rock music, but I actually know specifically about Striper from uh, another a podcast that I listen to. And he every once in a while, he'll do this bit where, where he'll play a song by Striper called To Hell With The Devil, which is actually what this song, the album, this song is on that we just yeah. listened to. But and it's just it's hilarious. It's such a funny song cue. And <laughs> I just I was not expecting you to do this song <laughs> or anything close to this. So this is fantastic. Oh, man. So I've got a lot of notes here, but before we get into that, CJ, what's the word? What's the word? Um, so this is a segment where we, uh, on our praise and worship a Christian song, we, you know, we quiz each other on how many words. What's the word count? And these are non-repeating words. So if it's used once, it's out. And so yeah, <sighs> CJ, what's the word? So uh, initially, I, I guess it's just the way that the song flows. It, it does have a lot of repetition, so I know that that's it's got that going for it. Um, try not to think too much about this, but I, it's got to be on the low end because I think there's only two verses and then just the chorus that repeats three or four times. But okay, um, I'll say forty-five. Oh, pretty close. Uh, Fifty-one. Fifty-one. Okay, I was actually going to go a little bit lower than forty-five initially, but I didn't think this was going to be in contention in the thirties, like, like some of our other songs have been. So 51. Okay. Well, no, I'll take the 45. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's a pretty good one. So wow. B plus. <laughs> so man, now I have notes, but again, I don't know where to start The man. The, I do. The music is really solid. The music is really good. I think the, the talent of the musicians is like, man, for for a Christian band, really, really, really good. Yeah. However, yeah, it's uh, I don't no, have any complaints about that. Yeah. I mean, it really like you feel it. It's it's hard, and it, and it's, but the lyrics, man, the lyrics sound like they were written by uh, a group of dads uh, down at the local church, and <laughs> but they're but they're playing like yacht rock, like bad yacht rock music, not this heavy metal. <laughs> 
I mean, not, it does. Not Michael like, McDonald level, a yacht ride. Um, no, more like uh, Billy Joel or. Um, uh, hey, careful. <laughs> or uh, Tracy's gonna uh, listen to this. <laughs> who? Uh, Rand- Randy Newman. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's not yacht rock at all, but no. Anyway, so this is off of Striper's third album, "To Hell with the Devil." You kind of mentioned that already. The band originally. F- <laughs> Yeah, that's that's that that's a good line. I know it's cheesy, but I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's very metal. The uh, the band formed in 1983 originally as Rocks Regime R O X X. Of course, the band the band a, eventually changed their musical message to reflect their Christian beliefs, and the band's name was also changed to Striper. The name Striper derives from the King James Version of the Bible, Isaiah 53, 5, which is often uh, on their album covers somewhere. Mm-hmm. So the verse says, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Uh, it's frequently, as I said, on their album covers. Uh, the band's drummer, Robert Sweet, created the acronym for the band's name, which stands for Salvation through redemption, yielding peace, encouragement, and righteousness. So, eh. <laughs> you gotta love backronyms. So it's like it's, it's this, this is not what y'all meant when you named the band that. <laughs> it's that's not y'all weren't creating that that uh, for specifically for those words. So I, I find this really this next part really interesting. Uh, they became the first overtly Christian band to gain acceptance in the mainstream, and to get uh, platinum status on an album. Oh, man, I didn't realize they, their albums sold that well. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I see. I still see Striper t-shirts every now and then. Mm-hmm. In 1983, they signed with major label Enigma Records and released their debut album, The Yellow and Black Attack. Man. Uh, in the mid-1980s, Striper enjoyed their most successful period, beginning with the release of To Hell with the Devil, which achieved them platinum and sales status. Yeah. Hmm. Before Oz Fox joined the band, a number of guitarists uh, also joined Rock's Regime, or sorry, almost joined Rock's Regime, including uh, Doug Aldrich, who is most notable from Whitesnake, mm-hmm. and C.C. DeVille from Poison. Oh, wow. Those two guitarists almost joined Striper, or Rock's Regime. But I guess whenever they shifted their lyrics to be more Christian based, that's probably when those guys dropped out. Yeah, not not enough not enough cocaine either, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is the first song that I think we've done this on, but I want to I want to do this more in the future. I went to the comment section on the YouTube uh, page for this song. Uh huh. <laughs> the, the first one is uh, this music is gonna make it uh, to heaven like us! Exclamation <laughs> point. Exclamation point, exclamation point, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, of course, seven uh, fire emojis. Oh, I thought it was going to be prayer hands. Man, no, I missed an opportunity on. there. No, I, fire's better. Um, <laughs> uh, I think Jesus will probably love this song. Sweet voice is just metal amazing. Okay. <laughs> your, your, your English isn't that great, though. <laughs> to be fair, maybe he's not you know a native english speaker yeah it might not be its first language uh, so uh <laughs> another comment 1986 i was 17 years old told grandma they were a christian band she fought my parents to let me keep my denim jacket full of pins and patches nothing wrong she said at the time bless your soul <laughs> uh i got a couple more here striper kicks ass for the lord one <laughs> <laughs> i want that on a t-shirt uh and then the last one best metal song of all time well okay okay let's calm down it's not a bad metal song i mean it is but it's not i mean again the music is great but the lyrics <laughs> not real not a lot of depth there for the richness of the music what do you think of this guy's voice <sighs> you know because it's striking I mean, it's pretty tip- it, at first it, compared to the music. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty typical. Yeah. It's a pretty typical like 80s metal yeah. hairband kind of style. Very high. Uh, when he hits that note at the very end, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, that, it's, that, it's that, powerful. Uh, to, be, to be able to sustain that for that long was, was yeah. pretty impressive. 
Um, it does. It's, it does it's seem not, a little jarring compared to the music, though. I know that, like, the, like you said, it's mixed a lot weird. Of, there's a lot of uh, high pitched male wailing in this era, but uh, yeah. this doesn't seem to quite fit until you yeah, get into it later. It, like you kind of get acclimated to it, but at first, it is not. not yeah, a good fit. at first, it, it's it's a it's it is like you said, it's jarring, but. I think also there's something there in the mix and the way that the album, the the song itself was was mixed and produced. It, it just something's a little off about the way his voice sounds, and, yeah. and I don't think that's necessarily a technical issue on his part. I think there's just some kind of mixing and editing thing that they did that, in in my opinion, didn't work out. But after a little while, by the second verse, it's like okay. I mean his. His voice is fine. It just yeah. I mean, his voice know, is great. It's powerful, is, but it just doesn't quite. It's just like just a little off from the tone of the music to me. I don't. I don't know what it is about it. Yeah. Maybe you're right. It's about more about the mixing than his voice itself. Because if it, if the lyrics were better, maybe I wouldn't have even noticed the voice. Right. So one more thing, and then we can really get into more about the the musical quality of of the song. <sighs> Again, the band formed in 1983, and I should have mm. done an actual count, but I didn't bingo card but they have consistently put out albums like every couple of years and uh since 1983 with their most recent album being in 2020 wow yeah they have not stopped rocking for the lord sorry rocking for the one who is the rock <laughs> but yeah, yeah i thought that was a few albums i thought I'm that was impressive here. man they they really they're <laughs> they're really doing it <laughs> And have been doing it for 30 years, a lot more consistently than a lot of more famous bands. So uh, what did you let, let's dig more into the technical aspect of the music and I guess the lyrics too. like you being more of the musical background. What do you how do you feel about the music itself? Um, well, as someone that's uh, not really this is going to be a fun episode because this is going to happen in my secular song too. spoiler <laughs> alert. But I, I don't I don't know much about metal music in in terms of what constitutes like traditional metal style now i did look up the 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 tabs and and the chord structure in the song and it's it's pretty it looks pretty standard it is it is half a step down in e flat but yeah i mean it it has some good i i like some of the the chord progressions itself but i don't know enough about in ways to compare it to other metal songs, especially in that time, I feel like just the guitar work in terms of kind of that that galloping that galloping uh, guitar work is pretty standard in metal music. But otherwise, I, I don't I don't really have a ton to add to it. The solo was really good, yeah, and and the chord progression there is was a lot of fun. There's a lot of walk ups and walk downs which which is satisfying I'm, I'm a sucker for those but yeah i mean from what i can tell it looks like it's kind of standard fare for metal music yeah. uh, someone can correct me on that and that's fine this but... really the that guitar riff at the beginning really reminded me of something that i've played on rock band or guitar hero which was definitely not striper but it seemed very familiar and maybe it sounds that, like know. an it sounds like an aussie song is i think prop maybe what you're thinking of maybe yeah i don't know and i almost picked another song but it's like a minute and a half longer so it's just like no i'm not gonna do that one and it wasn't as like praise and worshipy it was more preachy so that's why i picked this one mm. uh that one was uh crap uh more than a man which that's the last al- mm. uh, song on the album and that one's pretty hard too as as far as the music goes it I, again i do like the music but the lyrics are just like not even skin deep <laughs> the the lyrics are pretty shallow in my opinion so uh let's take that opportunity to move into the lyrics uh, do you have any thoughts on the lyrics as we were listening to it i mean it, it you i think you mentioned it in your intro to the song it the the lyrics if you just gave me these lyrics and ask me what the songs what i thought the song sounded like i would tell you it looks like it's going to sound like a praise and worship song something that you would sing in church on sunday morning there's 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 not really any depth there it's 
I mean, it's metal, but it's really fluffy. It's yeah. Uh, it, there and there's no real biblical. There's no real biblical perspective or reference here, other than the imagery of the the line "Christ is the way," and then the the imagery of of the rock. That those are really the only biblical references that you could kind of infer from from the song itself, which is not a knock necessarily on the song. It doesn't have to have a bunch of biblical cross references, but I don't know. I just feel like with the technicality of the music and the, the, the vocal melody, maybe there would be a little bit more depth and substance. And I actually thumbed through some of the lyrics on some of their more recent songs and albums. And it's a lot of the same. It's very, there's really no depth here. They, They have a song on their most recent record called middle finger Messiah. I thought that that was pretty cool. Whoa! <laughs> but yeah, I, it, it's there's just not a lot here. Uh, there, it's it, to me, it seems like, like I said, it's to, to me, it seems like they really wanted to write a song that had the line "Rocking for the one who is the rock." So why not just call the song that? <laughs> you know, I well, and it's it's kind of fun when you can when you can look at lyrics of a song, like just any song, just pick. It doesn't matter, Christian, secular, whatever. You look at the the lyrics, and when you really kind of start to look at them, you realize that's that's the line that they started with. Mm-hmm. Because that's how I write a lot of my songs is I'll come up with a line or two, uh, some kind of imagery or metaphor or something, and it's just, it's really good, and now I have to build something around that. And uh, that it, it seems pretty clear that it's that that's the line rocking. Yeah, for the because one who is you the think rock. about it, you know, if you start with the line rocking for the one who is the rock, well, what does that mean? How do you rock for Jesus differently <laughs> than you rock for something else? And that the first line of the song is, "I want to sing some other way, always the same, never a change." It seems like they directly went from rocking for the one who is the rock to, "I want to sing some other way." Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that's in reference to singing not for to try to get fame or notoriety or for the fans, but singing for yeah. the rock, singing for Jesus, which I get, but it just the the and and that's really the I, I actually kind of I laughed when we were listening to the song. Just full disclosure at the at you the at the lot. line rocking for the one who is the rock i did have a good chuckle on that because well, it takes but, him like 10 seconds to get to the end of the line and you can see where he's going as soon as he starts the line <laughs> yeah and to to be to be honest with you i think that that line is the best line in the song yeah and and it, it's that's the risk that you run when you are trying to build a song around a line that is actually really good that that can really hook in the listener and well, everything like, around uh, love love ran red uh, a few yeah yeah back. that that was actually the first thing that came to my mind a second ago when we were when you first brought that up and uh in that song is very similar in that respect too they they wrote that line and probably a line on either side of it if i had to guess and it was that's what stuck and they built the song around that it to to uh really Good results, I, I got to say. I really uh, enjoyed that uh, Chris Tomlin song, Lover and Red. But it, it, it's the risk that you take when you are trying to build a song around just one or two lines. And they're just not on the same level as that those one or two lines that you're trying to build around. And there's nothing terrible about the lyrics. They're just kind of there. It's just a placeholder. Yeah. It's a way for the vocalist to sing and well, it's a delivery and device. Kinda, it, it almost seems like uh, a delivery device, like you were saying, to kind of show off the vocals, which is not really what the message of the song is about. Because he, I mean, he definitely is showing off his vocal range. Yeah. And you could argue that's to glorify God or whatever, but I don't know. I got to. Then, then write better lyrics if you're going to try to glorify God. <laughs> I, I wonder how many teenagers, young people, in in 80 you know the mid 80s when this when this song came out or when this band was getting really big i wonder how many young people that were raised in really strict christian homes had to 
try to explain this to their parents that it was actually Christian oh, yeah. music. And then what do you think the percentages of the parents that were like, nope, you, you can't listen to this. I don't care. Kind of uh, shutting it down because in the eighties, right, right what, at the, the precipice of satanic panic, 90%. <laughs> this is why, this, this is, but this why was I really, how I'm sorry. I just have to, this is what, this is, you know, the opportunity for, good Christian kids to rebel against their parents without doing anything quote wrong. Right. Which I, which I was going to say, I, I kind of have to hand it to the band to, to be doing this very overtly Christian lyrics at this time, because there were, I mean, there were so many parents that were convinced that if their kids were listening to Metallica or to Ozzy Osbourne or whatever, then they must be worshiping the devil, you know, and Which I, I got to hand don't it, understand. I got to hand it to these guys. You know, they, they were, they were taking this, this sound that was very pervasive and ubiquitous at the time. And they were, they were putting these Christian lyrics to appeal to uh, an audience that might not be able to listen to some of their contemporaries, you know, some of, yeah. some of the, more secular uh, metal artists out there. I, I, you know, I didn't grow up in that kind of household. I chose to go to church. Like my mom was not active in church at that time and did not give two shits what I listened to. She really did not care. Uh, Just, she was like, look, if it's got foul stuff in it, just don't play it so loud that I can hear it in the other room kind of thing. But so I don't really understand the mentality, but I also I do understand that, like you said, this rebellious nature of it feels wrong that I'm listening to this, but it has a good message. And and the vocalist, the vocalist performs the lyrics where they're very clearly understood. You don't have to guess at what he's saying. He you can understand every single word. And and I I, worship in Christian music. Yeah. And I, so I think that that goes in, in the, in the pro column, in the win column for them, just because this was something that a lot of households were, were trying to figure out and they were trying to navigate these waters of their, their teenagers wanting to listen to certain types of music. And this kind of opened up avenues, I think, for a lot of young people to be able to listen to something that that sounded like the secular world, but wasn't. So I just think that that was kind of, that's kind of interesting. Something that you said in there made me want to ask the question, is that why Christian rock gets so much uh, hate and flack from the music community is because there is no sense of interpretation. There is no personal attachment to anything on the, on the lyrics because the artist is telling you what it means. It's not. It's not expressing a feeling hmm. that the aud- that the a- artist is trying to put into words that they can't quite just say outright. And so that that gives uh, a window for people to interpret it how they want and find their own connection to it. Versus you know just explicitly saying like, "Hey, Jesus is good. Worship him and and do what he says." You know. I don't know. That's what do you what do you think? Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I think I think the only thing I would maybe add to that is outside of of lyric interpretation, the way that I look at it is I've heard two sides to things. I've heard people say like they can listen to Christian music and they and they're not necessarily into Christian music, but they can listen to it and get something out of it. Uh, granted, it's got to be a little bit more vague than this versus something that's literally saying Christ is the way. But, and then I've also heard uh, Christians who listen to secular music and they, and they try to, to interpret it through a Christian lens. So I think that if you want to jump through some hoops and you want to bend in some really weird postures, you can interpret anything, however, like how you want to. I think that even if even if the a lyricist, a songwriter came out and said, this is what the song means, that still doesn't give them license to tell people how to interpret it. Yeah. Now, like I said, when you're getting into songs like this that are very, um, I feel his strength come into me. Reading his word helps me to see 
feeling his joy in everything, right? That, that's uh, that's kind of hard to interpret <laughs> any other way. Well, I don't know. The feeling his strength come into me could have been a Jesus or Jessica line. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to have to use that uh, <laughs> later and see if you remember that. Um, but yeah, no. And, and there's, I've, I've heard people interpret a song that I would have never thought to interpret in the way that they did. And it doesn't make sense to me how they interpret it. But again, and not, I'm not talking about my song, I'm my songs or anything like that. I'm just talking in, in general, just, yeah. I think it was like a Sufjan Stevens song. I was reading YouTube videos on it one day and someone was went on this spiel about how they interpret the song or what they think the song is about. And I'm sitting there going, how did you get to that? Like what, what? And then I have to remember to take a step back and think, well, you know, they're, they're interpreting it in a certain context, a certain worldview, a certain life event or something that's happened. And every, you know, everyone's story is so unique that there, there are limit almost an infinite number of ways that things can be interpreted. But I just, I don't know. Like you said, when, when you take away, when you take away the aspect of stating lyrics and now you're getting more into now this song, not so much, it's not so much preachy. It's, it uses a lot of first person, right? I feel his strength helps me to see, I feel new. So it, it, it tries to make it more personal, but for someone that's on the outside of that, that's not a Christian or just doesn't believe in the things that are being sung there, it's harder to connect with just because it is so personal sounding. And we kind of we kind of talked about this last night. Well, I was talking to you uh, via text. Uh, this this new song that I wrote, it, it's like, do I change the 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 person perspective right to all first person to all second person to even third person, do I make it uniform? Do I keep it where there are some first per it's mostly first person, this song, this new song that I wrote, but there's a second person pronoun used at the very end of the song. And it's, it's almost like, I don't want to, I don't want to push something that's very personal to me onto the listener, but is, are the lyrics, are the lyrics vague enough that I, that someone can still connect to it, even though it's using first person perspective. Right. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm kind of rambling. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's any issue with that. I'm, I'm, I'm curious why you think you can't, or at least maybe this particular song doesn't uh, create a personal experience for the listener just because it's in first person. Cause a lot of songs speak in first person and a lot of and those same songs will speak very deeply to the person because they can sing along to it and then be very personal to them. So I don't think that the person, the POV of the song really matters in the sense that it's not going to affect the person because it's yeah. in one person or another one. Well, I say this is going to be quick. Uh, I don't really have much else to say about this song in particular, but we did get into a discussion at work and I don't know how it came up. I kind of came into it uh, after it had started, but there was a guy at work. We, we were having a discussion about what makes a Christian band versus a Christian of, or, I'm sorry, a band of Christians. Like, uh, you know, people who are Christian that are in a band make writing songs versus an overtly Christian band. And he was saying, oh, if they're all Christians, it's a Christian band. You know, or if if their lyrics aren't saying anything against, he specifically said this: if the, if if their lyrics are not saying anything against what the Bible teaches, then it's it's a Christian band because you know they're they're saying things that are in line with what Christianity teaches. If it's not saying anything against what Christianity teaches, that could be slightly off from what he was saying. But basically, he was saying if it's a band of Christians and they're not saying anything bad, it's a Christian band. Yeah, I disagree with that. We, ev- but, I mean, <laughs> everybody else did too. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean. I'm sorry, Nick. Uh, but if you listen to this, but uh, yeah, I kind of see what he's saying, but I don't agree. And we had already well, started and, this and podcast whenever this happened. I meant to mention it to you that same week, but I just forgot. And then I let them know that I had this podcast and they're like, why didn't you bring this up whenever we were talking about that? And I was like, uh, it felt weird to, well, to and- plug my podcast in the middle of that argument. And I, I did it a few, a few weeks back where I had a, a an As Cities Burn song for my secular song. And there, I, I don't, I, I, 
I want to say most of the members, if not all of the members are Christian or have been at one point and were uh, professed Christians when the song that I chose uh, was released. So, but they're not, they, they will say that they don't consider themselves a Christian band, right? They're a band with Christian members, but they're not a Christian band. And again, I, I think that you kind of have to put the ball in the artist's court in that respect where it's like, well, they're, they're a Christian. They're, they're very, um, they've, they've said in interviews that they're Christian and, uh, they, they believe in, in, uh, the teachings of Jesus. And then, but you have to dig a little deeper and see if what they're trying to convey in their music is Christian in nature. And are they, do they consider themselves a Christian artist or do they consider themselves a person that's a Christian and also an artist, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I think you hit it uh, on the head there. Does the band consider themselves a Christian band? If not, then yeah. they're not a Christian band. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I think you have to leave it up, leave it up to them to to decide that. And I think that most bands like that that have Christian members but say they're not a Christian band. I think they're doing that to to make sure that people understand like their lyrics might be coming from a Christian worldview and a Christian perspective, but they're not doing it to try to convert people or, you know, arguably to bring glory to God or anything like that necessarily. They just, because it's such a big part of their lives. I mean, I, if you listen to, you can pick any five of my songs and I have, probably double that in biblical references in my songs, but I'm not a Christian artist. Like that's not, yeah, I mean, you can tell with the lyrics because they're sure tongue there are, in cheek, uh, but I'm sure there are Satanist bands or, uh, anti-Christian bands who quote the Bible. Yeah. And the Bible's metal dude. <laughs> and, and if, if a, if a Buddhist musician happens to write lyrics that fall in line with some of the things that Jesus said, is that a Christian band? I, I don't, I don't think so. Right, right. Um, all right. Yeah, I think we pretty quickly and easily uh, shut that argument down. Sorry again. Um, so uh, with that, I think we should uh, end this segment. We've gone a little long on it, but uh, I think this song deserved it. So we. Yeah, I, I liked it. I, I'm going <laughs> to listen to some Striper, man. I'm seriously. Yeah, gonna, some gonna of that's going to my workout mix. On later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we are going to take a quick break, and we will come back with uh, a mini-game that I have for CJ called Mine or Divine. Welcome back, neighbors. As I said before the break, we are going to play a little mini-game called Mine or Divine. This is where I quiz CJ if the church sign that I'm about to present to him is one that I have seen or one that I made up. So, CJ, is this mine or divine? Hope, colon, heaven, our prize eternal, as an acronym. He- heaven. It's topical. Our prize eternal. <laughs> This is okay. In the past, the the minor divines have been kind of where because your your sense of humor is ridiculous and very eerily similar to people that put up church signs. Um, it's almost like I grew up at the church. <laughs> okay, I uh, I really have no frame of reference here, but I am gonna say based on the fact that Striper was a backronym that you made this up to fit in so i'm gonna say it's mine yeah you're right dang it yes <laughs> i almost hey, that's had actually you that's actually really good though i like initially i was gonna say was, divine but i don't even know why i started to uh come up with this one because i came up with this one a week ago since we didn't record last week well not a normal episode anyway uh <laughs> But yeah, I, man, I don't know. I don't remember the inspiration for this, but yeah, good job. Well, I thought you it was just me. because Striper was, they, they no, I don't, acronymed their way I, into that one. I, I, I think that was a, uh, a, a backcident. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to do that. That sounds but, like, uh, that sounds like what I would call the last time I shit my pants. Yeah. Uh, so good job, CJ. You're starting to catch up. 
All right. Well, moving right along. I'm not introducing this. Luke should be introducing this one. <laughs> I was wondering why you were cutting in. I was about. I was literally just giving a second. Uh, this is our uh, second song segment of the Semana, which means week in Spanish. Uh, just had to keep the alliteration going. Uh... <laughs> CJ, it's CJ's turn to bring a secular song this week. So CJ, what song did you bring? So the song that I brought this week, I've just been on a really big kick with um, jazz fusion and neo soul and funk lately. So I brought a song by the artist Thundercat, and we're going to listen to Them Changes. Oh, I have not heard of this band or song, so this should be fun. So um, one quick note, we're going to listen to two versions of this song. We're going to listen to the studio version, which you guys will hear uh, after we kick it to the music. You'll either hear the 30-second clip or the full song. I'll also have links for both of these versions, the studio version. And then the next, the second one we're going to listen to slash watch is a video on YouTube, a live performance of the same song, just because I want to show Luke kind of what this guy does in a live performance. So you can also check those links and go watch that live video as well. If you can safely do so while you're listening to the podcast. We're going to listen to them slash watch this song, Thundercat, Them Changes, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome back, neighbors. You just listened to Thundercat with the song Them Changes. So, Luke, what'd you think, man? Uh, it's good. I'm kidding. No, I, uh, I did mention this to you while we were first listening to it. This song has come up a few times on various playlists that I listen to because of that whole funk, bluesy, soulsy kind of sound. And I do like it. Mm. I like it a lot. I have to, the, the, the lyrics were the, this was the first time I've actually read through the lyrics. So I need to, you know, break them down with you as we go. But the music is very, very good. And clearly these people are <laughs> incredibly talented. <laughs> yeah. And and I do want to make a note, like just a quick note. I, I There are a lot of Thundercat songs that I actually like more than Them Changes. However, the reason why I picked Them Changes is because I feel like it comes up more and more people know it. It's a little bit more accessible as far as Thundercat's music goes. So uh, I wanted to pick that one and and there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of musical depth there while still keeping it in like a three minute long song. And, and so that's why I chose this song specifically, but man, there, there are some Thundercat songs that I cannot stop listening to. I think I might have a problem, but, (laughs) um, but anyway, that, that I just wanted to make a quick little note as to why I chose this particular song, just because I do think it's a little bit easier to, you know, go into if you're just starting out listening to something like Thundercat, which is admittedly a little niche and not for everyone. But yeah, the lyrics are interesting. The The first few lines, nobody moved. There's blood on the floor and I can't find my heart. Where did it go? Did I leave it? in the cold so please give it back because it's not yours to take it goes quickly from where is it to accusatory and i'm not sure <laughs> yeah he, he actually kind of bounces back between not knowing where his heart is to knowing that someone else has it kind of thing mm-hmm. and really this is a breakup song i mean there's the there's a lot of imagery of blood and the heart being there's a hole in my chest and but yeah i it's the lyrics are thundercat is really self-referential he he likes to talk a lot about his feelings and his emotions and he he has a song about (laughs) about wearing a dragon ball do-rag and uh, asking if he looks good in his do rag, it's almost almost silly in a way. This song, I think, is comes from. It seems like it comes from more of a place of hurt, but the music is just so groovy that it it 
it, it, it the lyrics almost just don't work with with the music itself. I mean, it does work, obviously, but it it can be kind of jarring when you pay attention to the lyrics and realize yeah. it's about being heartbroken and getting, you know, there's obviously been some sort of breakup, some sort of parting of ways between two people and he's upset about it. I don't know if it's a personal experience or he's just playing a character in the lyrics, but yeah, it, it is kind of jarring initially. Um, so Thundercat, uh, his, his real name is Steven Bruner grew up in California. He was basically playing music his whole life. He joined the thrash band Suicidal Tendencies at the age of 16. His uh, his brother Ronald played drums for the band Suicidal Tendencies and, and Thundercat played bass. Also, Thundercat was a member of the jazz fusion group Young Jazz Giants. Uh, with, uh, I believe his brother was in that band as well as Kamazi Washington, who's a prolific, uh, jazz, uh, pianist, or, uh, actually Kamazi plays saxophone, I think, but it, but at any rate, a, a prolific jazz artist and Thundercat has done, he's worked with just about every genre. He's collaborated with some, some of the biggest names in the industry. I mean, just a quick list, Kendrick Lamar. Michael McDonald, Kenny Loggins, Erica Badu, Anderson wow. Pack, Bruno Mars, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Mac Miller. Uh, I'll, I'm, I already mentioned Kamazi Washington. That's that's just off the top of my head that I knew that he had collabed with. So I'm sure it's many, many more. And then the YouTube video we watched, uh, which which I do have a link for that in the show notes. He he's playing with uh, Ariana Grande. She's she's helping him on vocals on that uh, in on that live version, but also the the keyboardists and the drummer. That's Dami and JD Beck, and they are absolutely insane musicians. If you've never watched any videos of Dami and JD Beck, you have to go do that. I think I'm pronouncing that name right. D O M I Dami and JD Beck. They are just absolutely. Oh man, they're crazy crazy good musicians their uh their first album their first album's coming out on anderson pack's record label i think in august so i'm i'm excited to hear what they can do in the studio but but their live performances are are insane them changes this song appears on thundercats album called drunk and the the album is is I think the album is like 20 something tracks, like 22 tracks, I think. And it's just, they're all pretty short tracks. You know, he'll have just these one minute or a minute and a half long tracks. And it's all just funk and jazz and soul. He, he really embodies a lot of different genres and uh, his voice is interesting. He's got that falsetto and he really kind of embraces that that falsetto sound that you get from a lot of 70s soul and and 70s funk specifically from like Curtis Mayfield and Isley Brothers oh, yeah. so i mean Rod the drum beat it's the drum beat itself is from from an Isley Brothers song it was actually the drum beat was sampled directly from an Isley Brothers song called Footsteps in the Dark and so, like I said, he production is great. He uh, Flying Lotus is his producer, um, and just it it works on all levels for me. I re- like I said, I realized that this style is not for everyone. But man, I just ugh, I really I really I really love this uh, uh, this artist so much. And there's 24 tracks, 24 tracks on the album Drunk, so. Yeah, just just a, a lot of fun and just something yeah. different for for people to listen to. I kept finding to. myself, especially in the live performance, watching myself uh, washing his fingers on the fretboard. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's. Yeah. I don't. You know, I've I've attempted to play bass in the past, and I've attempted to play guitar. Uh, I'm more of a percussionist, but man, 
I, I know enough to know that it's ridiculous what he's doing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I'm sure I don't even have the same appreciation that you do knowing music in that way. Uh, is is well, there any, is there any like anything that you could tell someone who knows music, but doesn't necessarily know like the techniques that he's using or, or is he like breaking rules that, that are, you know, <laughs> not a part of music theory that, you know, it, it's, it's impressive that he's breaking the rules, but making it work. Anything like that? Well, so, so I'm not even going to try and act like I know anything about jazz chord structure but yeah he's he's not he's not breaking any rules but i'll put it to you this way okay jazz is about trying to push the limits of what music can be i I believe it was terrace martin who's a prolific producer musician contemporary and he's a contemporary of thundercat he terrace martin worked a lot on kendrick lamar's uh record to pimp a butterfly and thundercat worked on that record as well and i remember an interview with terrace martin and he said something along the lines of i'm paraphrasing here he said whereas most forms of music will ask the question can i play this chord here jazz makes the statement i can play this chord here and he he went through and he told kind of an uh, an anecdote about being in the studio with all these jazz musicians for who were working on Kendrick's album. And they were literally coming up with the craziest chord that they had ever played, you know? And, mm. and that's kind of the sense of jazz music is what, what can you play here? That just, that just do, almost doesn't make sense. Almost should not, you know, exist in, in that current form, but it will work because, of the way that you place it and the way that you transition into and out of that particular note or that particular chord. And I think Thundercat is a good example of that. Now, this song itself is a kind of a walk up, walk down repetition. There's an F sharp, there's a G and then there's an A flat. So you have this movement forward and then it goes back down into an F minor and then down even further to an E flat. So there's there's constantly a walk up and a walk down in the song. Even the the bridge gets even way beyond my knowledge. Hmm. Uh, it, it's it's beyond my purview. I'm not going to even pretend to to know what I'm talking about there. I just know and and those notes I gave you like the F sharp and the G and those are really probably like A flat minor seventh or or E flat minor 11th. Like there's, there's, there's all these weird chord structures that I can play around with. And I'm kind of familiar with, but I don't necessarily know, Oh, this is what I was playing. So it's just, it's the, the reason why I wanted us to listen to the live version as, or, or a live performance of, of the song in addition to the studio version is just to show the technicality to show that a lot of times in the studio, not always, but, but a lot of times, even these highly experimental artists are kind of fenced in by, by being in the studio. They have to try to create a song that has a beginning, a middle and an end. And then there's no real room for them to, to experiment and to really branch out. Now that's not always the case in studio recordings there are plenty of artists out there that give themselves plenty of space but this song it definitely it never really opens up like you think it should the studio version i mean yeah i that live version so i I have recorded in a studio before and i have performed live before and you're absolutely right that Mm. the feeling of being in a booth um is a very different feeling because you know, it's actually weird now that i think about it because in a booth it feels like there are a lot more eyes on you than in a live performance when there are actually a lot more eyes on you <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. yeah uh it feels like when you're in a booth it feels like someone's looking over your shoulder whereas when you are doing a live performance you really feel like a part of a team 
and the adrenaline of like there's no there's no second take you know you just you right. have to do it uh and the energy of the crowd and the 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 mistakes that inevitably happen it's all part of an experience that is so much more natural and and not sterilized like a mm-hmm. like a like a studio recording and studio recordings are yeah. fun uh, you can get, you know, your you can get your best take uh, of of a performance, uh, you know, if you have the time to be able to do multiple takes. You know that that's an interesting aspect of it. But the live performance is just the energy is incomparable. You know. Yeah, and and there's something to be said about your statement. How it seems like there are more eyes on you in the studio when really there aren't versus a live performance. I mean. And the reason why it feels that way is, and I, and this is something that, that I've always felt if I'm hanging out with friends or whatever, where people are over at the house and someone says, Hey, CJ, do you know how to play this song that's playing on the Bluetooth speaker? And I'll say, yeah, I mean, I, I can play it. They'll, they want me to play it, right? They, they'll, they'll ask me yeah. to get my guitar and play it. And it, it's a lot it's a lot harder to play in front of a few people who are hmm. all paying attention to you yeah. and only you versus in a live performance where listen I played a gig this past weekend it went really well it was a lot of fun but not everyone is listening to me or paying that much attention to me but when you're in a studio and you press that little red button and the dude gives you the nod through the window the booth window you everyone is paying attention to what you're doing and it's like it is a little bit more stifling and you want to be a little bit more by the book and straightforward with what you're doing so that you can so that they can press stop on the recording so you don't have to be a nervous wreck anymore yeah but i mean this the the live performance is just there there's a level of skill and technicality, obviously, right? We know that Thundercat, if you watch this video, you know that the dude is the real deal when it comes to the bass. Like, he's not a fluke. <laughs> but, and then you also look at Dami and JD Beck and, and then even Ariana Grande's vocals. They're all super talented. But there's there's also a level of, which I think we've talked about this on the podcast, it's a feel thing. They're, they're literally toward the end of that that video that youtube uh, video of the live performance they're all soloing at at the same time like they're all doing the keyboard you know dami's soloing and jd beck is soloing and thundercat's soloing and then all of a sudden they just come right out of it back into the the verse again and it's there's there's skill involved absolutely and they're all very talented but there's also a feel and a chemistry that yeah. is not easily taught, but when you're that talented, you can pretty much play with anyone. It only takes a few seconds to get a feel for whoever you're playing with and you can really start to nail down. And I, and that is a hallmark of a really, really great musician, not just a good musician or a talented musician, but someone that can sit in a master because those, so those keyboard, that keyboardist and the drummer, they don't play with Thundercat. That's not his musicians that he tours with those are just two very talented people that he collaborated with for that video and and they've done some other stuff together as well but yeah it's it's such a chemistry and feel thing that's not as easily taught as music theory and music technique you have to be able to feel what the other people are doing or going to do or um you know, in a very short period of time. And that's, that's really a hallmark of a, of a great musician. See, um, I would actually, uh, don't hate me for this, but I did not really like that solo section of the live performance. Um, I understand and appreciate the skill involved, but it, it was just kind of like a wall of noise and kind of dissonant at times and didn't really seem to flow or, or, I just, I just wasn't feeling it, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I te- technically I understood, or I, you know, I kind of understood how good these musicians were, but sonically it wasn't pleasing to me. Yeah. It, it, 
yeah dissonant it, it just didn't really mesh well it just seemed like layers of things that were all good individually but they didn't come together for me in a way that i found enjoyable the um i can't remember who said it but someone basically said look you take jazz take jazz and take blues right there they were contemporaries and the difference between jazz and blues is that <laughs> blues musicians solo at different times like it's like here's the guitar solo oh, yeah. and then here's the drum solo and here's another guitar solo and then jazz musicians <laughs> will solo all at the same time and and i can definitely see how that's jarring and and not not as satisfying because it's harder to focus on you know what any one piece is doing especially when they're soloing it with such with such a high level of technical jazz influence like it's not they're hitting all of these crazy notes especially the keyboardist there she she kind of goes crazy for a little while and it tends to make it seem a little chaotic and drowns out some of the other pieces that are that make more sense you know yeah and but yeah i could definitely see how that well, wouldn't be I, as enjoyable. I really, 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 really like music that has influences of jazz or influences of blues, but I'm not even heavy, heavy influences of those of those genres. But I don't really ever find myself wanting to listen to those genres exclusively. And, mm -hmm. you know, the when you mentioned earlier about uh, jazz pushing boundaries, like, yes, every every genre of music has benefited from jazz. And benefits from jazz being a, a part of, <coughs> excuse me, a part of that style, their, that particular artist's style of music. But I just don't ever like listening to jazz. <laughs> you know, you, uh, you watch Bob's Burgers, right? Or Archer? Um, yeah, I have. I haven't in a long time. But I, So the guy that voices Bob and Archer, H. John Benjamin, he, um, <laughs> he does... He does a uh, an album with this jazz uh, ensemble called Accidental Jazz, and it's just <laughs> him at a piano, and he does not know how to play the piano at all, much less jazz piano. And so every once in a while, he'll just like chime in with a solo, and it, <laughs> it it's it's funny because it almost <laughs> works every time. It's like it's it's so ridiculous, but it, it it does go to show that there is a there is a sense of there is a sense of play like pushing the boundaries when it comes to what notes can fit in a place, and and that's why I I've just been on this crazy jazz kick lately, and and mostly more modern forms of jazz. I, yeah. I'm not going back and listening to to older forms but hey man keep, i might get there eventually because I, I can't wait to hear your music influenced by some jazz stuff that sounds really <laughs> cool any anything any other thoughts about this song or anything you want to add uh yeah the one the only other thing that i have is that there doesn't really seem to be a rhyme scheme at all except for you know they he rhymes feel with real in the second verse but other than that no real rhyme scheme, but it, the the meter works. You know that, yeah. that's always interesting to me. Whenever there's not a rhyme scheme at all, but the the lyrical syllabic meter fits and it works, and you don't notice that there isn't a rhyme scheme until you're looking at the lyrics. I thought that was interesting. And and he does that a lot. He doesn't rhyme a ton. He doesn't rhyme when he does it. it <laughs> when when he does rhyme it it almost it it almost sounds um what's the word i guess like a little over hokey oh, well yeah. yeah well just like it, it was written to rhyme and it's it's kind of like man so much of his stuff doesn't rhyme and when and and then sometimes when it does it it, it it's almost like he wasn't really trying to rhyme the next yeah, line that, with the previous feel, one that's how i feel with the the line in the second verse somebody tell me how i'm supposed to feel when i'm sitting here knowing this ain't real it because none of the other lines of the song rhyme with each other it, like it just feels incidental co coincidental you know it's not like yeah he was trying to do that it just happened that way right right and and that's that's pretty much the case in in most of his songs he's not he's not trying to rhyme which i really respect that again i think we've talked about that on the podcasts a little bit from a songwriting perspective it's it's so hard to to try not not to try not to rhyme but but 
to not be so absorbed in a specific rhyme scheme where yeah. where it's like, okay, I want to rhyme this way. I want to rhyme every other line and then kind of tie it back to the the lines in between or something. You you get you get so absorbed from a songwriting perspective of of trying to rhyme and then trying to find interesting ways of rhyming things. And I'm, I'm so guilty of that, but it, it just goes to show that it doesn't have to, if it fits in the music and the melody is good and the lyrics make some sort of sense, not, not that they always have to, yeah. there's, there's nothing wrong with just letting the words come out. And, and I, that's something that I really have struggled with. And I, and I have some songs here and there that don't, really have any discernible rhyme scheme oh these lines r- happen to rhyme and then there's no rhyme for several lines and then oh here's another kind of half or partial rhyme or internal rhyme or something and those those songs are always fun to write because they they were done without the pressure of okay i just said the word you know whatever fill in the blank and now i have to rhyme with that word and Space. it's yeah face i have to rhyme with face what am i uh, what word am i going to use with face and then uh, then you start thinking haste. well right d- does it have to be it doesn't have to be an exact rhyme it can be a, a close rhyme it doesn't More have to be assonance yeah right and and so yeah that's I, I like i like artists that are not tied down to that type of structure it just mace mace is a perfect rhyme for face because it you, where else do you spray mace <laughs> but at a face <laughs> Man, well, it's right there. You could. Well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, moving on. Uh, so yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean, oh, hmm. we did it again. I was gonna say uh, I'm. I don't really <laughs> have much else to say, man. I. That's. I, I was gonna say I don't have much else to say. Okay, well, if we're in agreement, we doubled down then... on not saying anything. <laughs> but yeah, I I like Thundercat a lot. I I um was listening to his most recent record yesterday and I I've listened to it before, but he has a song on there called I love Lewis Cole. And I'm thinking, I don't know who Lewis Cole is. Maybe it's like some old jazz guy or, or something. And so I looked up Lewis Cole and it's some young dude that plays kind of the same style, soul, neo soul, modern funk, synth kind of synth based stuff and it, it was really good i was like man i think i love lewis cole too so <laughs> y'all can check out lewis cole if you if you want want some other uh some other stuff that's kind of similar to thundercat but anyway i um hope you guys enjoyed that song because i love that guy so much all right before we go we just want to send a quick shout out to our email if you want to get in touch with us give us some feedback a story maybe send us some requests for songs or for jesus or jessica or minor divine you can always send us an email praise and podcast at gmail.com and that email is also down in the show notes luke you got anything uh no all right well we're gonna get the heck out of here hopefully you guys have a great week And until we talk to you next week, always remember to love your neighbor. Chopping up a couple of cups of pecans. (laughs) We can redo that if you want, but I wanted to put that in there. No, we'll leave it. All right. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Welcome, neighbors, to another episode. <laughs> Damn it. I'm just going to go. Just going to go. The fucking dogs are going crazy. <laughs>